Today is Tuesday, December 5th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Some shocking anti-Semitism in Philadelphia and elsewhere around the country. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. Email us if you'd like to just send us your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. Quick Start Podcast at cbn.org. We're so glad you're taking the time to join us in your busy morning routine as you're heading out to work or wherever else you're heading throughout the day. We're glad to have you here as we're getting through the news of the cray. Joining me now on this Tuesday, Trey Gons Phillips. Billy's off today. Well, he's kind of off. He's still on the main thing. But Trey, what's going on? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Look, I think that we've just had this rotation of people getting kind of sick. So if I yeah. cough a little bit. Uh-oh. Sorry about that. You're next but up. I'm, okay. Well, hopefully you don't get it because Billy had it. I had it. We're, we're coming out of it. So hopefully. I know. We're passing it through these microphones, I think. Yeah. I'm interested I don't know how to that know. Works. I want to take a straw poll. Email us at quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. I, I just need a sample anecdotal evidence here. I, I feel like my colds last five times longer since COVID <laughs> than they did before COVID. I, maybe I'm imagining it. I don't know. But like my no, last cold, linger. like the cough, like I feel fine, but I'm just coughing endlessly, endlessly. Yeah. It's insufferable. So uh, anyway, maybe it's just me. I'd like to hear from you on that. But we have a lot to get to. So I digress on the focus. Trey, there's some Brits who are kind of cool with banning the Bible. What's up with that? Yeah, this is crazy to me, but it's younger British people who were surveyed are open to banning the Bible unless there are some edits made. To oh, so, making demands which, on God. All right. I, editing the Bible. I, that's something I thought only China was doing. Yeah, but. right. But apparently, apparently it's spreading. All right. We'll get the details on this in just a second. On the main thing, Max Licato. Billy has a conversation with him. Always good to talk to Max, so we'll get to that and more coming up. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. Incidents of anti-Semitism have surged since October 7th. A Jewish-owned business in California was vandalized over the weekend with the genocidal slogan, From the River to the Sea, painted on it. The founder says his dad escaped Iran when it became dangerous for Jews there. Now it's 45 years later and his business is targeted here in America because he's Jewish. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, we saw some more blatant acts of anti-Semitism. This wasn't a peaceful protest, according to Governor Shapiro, when a restaurant was targeted and mobbed because its owner is Jewish. The governor said this hate and bigotry is reminiscent of a dark time in history. And this was outside the Goldie, a restaurant owned by, his, by an Israeli chef and video captured the moment when the crowd repeatedly shouted chants as they waved Palestinian flags. And the, uh, the U.S. Representative Brendan Boyle said, I can't believe I even have to say this, but targeting businesses simply because they're Jewish owned is despicable. And the University of Michigan has canceled a controversial student vote on the conflict between Hamas and Israel Jewish groups and Israel's supporters contend it was anti-Israel because it labeled the country a genocidal apartheid state. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out more over at CBNnews.com. And that's that vote over at Michigan, the son of one of the Hamas founders, Mossab Hussein Youssef, we've posted a couple of his full-length speeches over on the CBN News YouTube channel. I'll include one here in the description of this podcast. 
And it's powerful stuff as he's just talking, giving you an inside look at how evil and wicked Hamas is. And he actually spoke at Michigan and went ahead of this vote and he condemned it and said, a mob that forces such a respectful education, educational institution to vote on such a thing is absurd. And the resolution, it, it had called um, Palestine as a victim of settler colonialism and they called on the University of Michigan to quote recognize the millions of people undergoing genocide in Gaza end quote I mean Trey it's remarkable I I feel like a broken record at this point on this story but I feel like also we have to keep being the broken record because so many people aren't getting it yeah it's bizarre to me that that this kind of like moral equivalency continues to spread especially in like a a place like an academic institution where you have access to all of this information, you you know what's going on. You have uh, you have resources available to to you to where you can actually see what Hamas is doing and what Israel has not done. Yeah, uh, and they're just trying to peacefully exist, and and yet. Hamas is still getting a pass for some of what they're doing. And it's all under the, the guise of like equality and freedom. And nobody is saying that the innocent Palestinian families who, who are living in Gaza are not being victimized by Hamas. Everybody agrees with that. Um, but this is the Israeli state. They have the right to exist. This is their land that they have won. They fought for the, the, all, and it's a tiny little sliver of land that they turned uh, down. By the way, exactly, they turned yes. it down and then went to war they and then lost the it. war because they wanted all of it. Right, and that is the reason why we will never have a two-state uh, solution because one side doesn't even one side does want two states. The other side wants Israel to be wiped off the map. Right, it's all or nothing. Now, who do you think is the problem child here? It yeah. shouldn't be hard to figure out, but apparently it is for people, and it's it's really, it's incredibly frustrating that people are unwilling to, through indoctrination or whatever the case might be, you know, not that Israel's perfect or they never do anything wrong, but it, it's so obviously one side is the aggressor here, one side is full of hate and wants to actually wipe out the other side. And also, let's not forget, Whenever somebody says, oh, they got to stop oppressing and, and um, you know, occupying Gaza, Israel hasn't occupied Gaza since, I think, 2005 or six. That's when Hamas won an election there. Israel's like, we're done with this. Hamas has been the one oppressing the people in Gaza for the last 15 to 18 years. So yeah. that argument's ridiculous on its face. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, it's hard to even really entertain these arguments, but unfortunately, like but you said, we, we have, have to. to because we have they're to. being made day in and day out. Yep, and hopefully hopefully everybody there on the other side of this microphone, you're listening wherever on your phones, on your way to work, hopefully we've talked about it enough and you've read enough on your own that you can answer these things when they come up. And we've got to answer them. We've just got to answer them because it's ridiculous. There's no nuance here. Uh, the, the whole equivalency game, as you call it, tra- it's just ridiculous and it's got to stop. So here's to praying that it does soon, that more people's eyes are opened. All right. We, however, are going to move on to the focus story now. And there is a concerning new survey that's shedding some light on where br- some Brits stand on the censorship of scripture. So what did it find? Yeah. So this survey to me is 
sad, but also kind of fascinating. Yeah. So close to a quarter, 23% of young British people, uh, those are ages between 18 and 34, are most likely to agree with this statement. Unless the offending parts, talking about the Bible, uh, or really, they're talking about any book, but they also apply it to the Bible. Uh, unless the offending parts can be edited out, books containing what some perceive as hate speech should be banned from general sale in the UK, including, if necessary, religious texts such as the Bible. Uh, so 23% of those ages 18 to 34 uh, were most likely to agree with that statement from a new survey by Whitestone Insights that polled 2,088 adults in the United Kingdom. Uh, next was 17% of those ages 35 to 54 agreed with the statement, and then 13% of those uh, over the age of 55 agreed with the statement. So uh, it's quite a fascinating thing. I, I wouldn't imagine ever in the Western world that close to a quarter of people in my age group, uh, 18 to 34, uh, would be okay with banning an entire like it, it's the bible right? yeah like you're willing to pull that completely from the shelves and ban it from sale uh, over such an ambiguous term as hate speech, hate speech because yeah. it seems like yeah every culture every like subculture every demographic has their own definition of what hate speech is so how yep. are we even going to define what qualifies as hate yeah. speech uh, and nearly 25 percent of of young adults in the UK are just, you know, even with that ambiguous term hate speech. Yeah. If there's hate speech in the Bible, just ban it from sale altogether. Yeah. And as you said, ambiguous term. And I think that's the game that you can't let people get, let you get caught up in is the whole, what it, the hate speech thing. Just some yeah. people zoom right past and starts trying to defend. Well, it's not hate because of X, Y, and Z. No, we're just not even going to argue that because you can't, you're just making that up, right? You're just saying hate speech. What does that even mean? Define hate speech exactly. What is it? And how come I and and how could I not just make something up? And I mean, I could turn that around on them and say, "Well, you're not agreeing with the Bible. Well, that's hate speech against God." Yeah. So, there's hate speech right there that harms me and harms everyone who believes. So, we can all play this silly game, but I don't accept your ground rules. That's where we should start. But yeah. How have Christians reacted to this over there? Are there any even Christians left over in the UK now? I'd be surprised if there are. If, I, if I'm over there, I'm thinking I'm seeing people get arrested for praying silently outside of abortion clinics. I'm thinking, all right, maybe it's time to head out. But But how are they reacting there? Yeah, well, that's something I wanted to mention. So the context of this, I think, is super important because, like you said, there are Christians who are silently praying outside of abortion clinics being arrested, which we've covered that at Faithwire and yeah. CBN. Uh, and then also at Pavi Rasanen, she's uh, the Finnish, uh, Finnish politician. Uh, she just won a legal battle that dragged on for years after she went on Twitter, now X, and she literally just tweeted a Bible verse on sexuality, uh, shared her view that sex is something that is between one man and one woman within a, a, a marital commitment. Um, so she shared that, which is obviously biblical teaching that has been around forever and ever and ever. Uh, and she was brought up on criminal charges for having that view. So yeah, I think Europe is pretty post-Christian 
uh, at this point that they're that they're arresting people for praying and then charging yeah. politicians criminally for posting Bible verses. Um, but uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom is still operating in the UK, uh, obviously Christian and conservative organization. Uh, and uh, Lois McClatchy from the Alliance Defending Freedom there in the UK, uh, she released a statement just after the survey results were, were released. And she said, we may no longer be a majority Christian population here in Britain. There, that's even more reason to protect the freedom of speech and belief for all here. Uh, and she went on to say, censoring one type of belief because it fails to fit with the dominant orthodoxy of our day is no better than imposing the illiberal blasphemy laws of the Middle Ages. Uh, She said, we need a robust defense of religious freedom from those who craft our legislation, and we need to educate the be kind generation uh, on the truly hateful consequences of censorship uh, before this type of thinking creeps further into reality. And I think she hit the nail on the head is like, uh, who's to define what's hateful and what's not, as you were saying. And I think one person's hate speech might, you might agree that, oh yeah, that's a terrible thing to say, but eventually somebody else is going to be in power. A new way of thinking is going to kind of become the majority way of thinking. Uh, And it might not be one that's really favorable to to your worldview. So now it's your speech that's being restricted. Yeah. And then with technology, I mean, uh, if anyone's seen Demolition Man (laughs) with Sylvester Stallone and Sandra Bullock, it's got this interesting futuristic look at the world. And, you know, they're printing out there these audio sensors everywhere. And if you swear or something like you get ticketed, and you just can't help but think. I always think of that movie whenever I see stories like this, and I think I combine it in my mind with the technology and the way it's going, right? Like just saying biblical things, you're seeing people online get punished in certain areas for that. And we've been taking this temperature now for some time. It's just, it's it's not that far behind. We had the story in Reading, Pennsylvania, of the man who showed up to an LGBT event just with some scripture and started quoting scripture was there for all of 90 seconds before an officer got frustrated with him and tried to arrest him and did arrest him. And they eventually had to drop that charge because they were about to get their pants sued off of him. But it it does feel like we're heading in that direction when you watch society at large and how that view is trending on scripture, like what they, how they look at scripture. It it just, it's obviously not a stretch to think that we're going to be facing more of that soon. Oh, yeah, 100%. We were already seeing some of that uh, in the U.S. Obviously, it's happening in the U.K., so I don't think it's, I don't think even stricter restrictions for Christians is that far off, because uh, we even see, like, in our media culture here in the United States, it might not, it's obviously, you know, we're blessed to live in a country where there are not these strict hate speech laws where it's not illegal to share our faith, but uh, within just our culture and, and pop culture, it's so common to see Christians kind of marginalized and treated hostily and we, we belittle Christian ideas. So even if it's not illegal, uh, there's been this kind of ostracization of Christian idea and like they're bigots for thinking this and they're evil and they're hateful for thinking this. So we're creating a culture where it's, uh, it'll be ripe, I think for these kinds of, of restrictions, right? Because younger generations have grown up hearing, about how hateful and how bigoted Christians are if they're watching anything on the media or in the news or, you know, whatever. Uh, so I think we're, we're creating a culture that's separating uh, Christians and biblical truth from the rest of culture, and it's making biblical truth look fringe and, and, and bad and wrong. Yeah, 100%. 
And when that's backed up at institutions like public schools, where you have places like the Freedom From Religion Foundation are constantly fighting and giving you that connotation that it's bad. It's bad to mix that in here. Why are you bringing that negative thing in here? And you plant that seed over and over and over again across millions of kids. Eventually that seed grows. And I think we're starting, unfortunately, to see some of the fruits of that. And so uh, we just have to be prepared as Christians to be in the minority and honestly, just to be okay with that and have God use us um, however he may in the midst of that. And when I say okay with that, I'm going to put in the qualifier. Like I'm not, we don't just lay down and try, you know, not vote or try to get people in there that can change things. I'm just saying whatever the results are, where the chips may fall, I think we have to be willing to just ask God to use us in whatever situation that might be. All right, Trey, appreciate you bringing that one to the podcast today. And we are going to head over to the main thing. Pastor and author Max Licato believes there's a profound uniqueness at the heart of the Christmas story that sets it apart from any other theological paradigm. Billy sat down with him to discuss it for today's main thing. You have a really exciting project that is coming to theaters because of Bethlehem. It hits theaters December 5th, 6th, and 7th. What can you tell us about this? Well, first of all, thank you for letting me be on your wonderful program to, to discuss it. And then second, I'm really of the conviction we need a lot of Christmas this Christmas. I mean, with everything going on in the world, um, the globe feels so fragile, Bill. It just feels so fragile. I mean, just let the wrong person press the wrong red button. And we're living in this spirit of angst and division. Uh, so I'm very grateful. Uh, that that uh, by God's good timing, we have an added emphasis on Christmas this Christmas, and uh, it's a wonderful evening. It really is. It's a it's an event in theaters uh, that includes some wonderful music, beautiful setting. Uh, the teaching is decent, but we'll have to put up with him. Uh, <laughs> everything it's it really sets itself up, I think, for being. A delightful evening. It's called Because of Bethlehem. Because of Bethlehem, December 5th, 6th, and 7th. Well, and I love that people get to experience this in the theater. And what you said is so true. I think right now a lot of people are feeling the pain, the pressure, you know, and it's happening at the individual level, at the country level, at the at the international level, watching the events that are unfolding. And what you said is so true. People need a lot of Christmas this year. And you, you know, you have written a lot on Christmas, obviously, and being an author and a pastor, you know, the Christmas story is one of the major centerpieces of the gospel. But for you, what is it that brings you back to Christmas so often to work on these kinds of projects? The uniqueness of the Christian faith is that we believe in a God who came to us before we went to him. Every other theology, philosophy, every other approach to God says, do this, and maybe God will notice you or accept you. It's a, it's a relationship based on performance. The wonderful grace of Christmas is that we celebrate the God who came to us first. Uh, before we even knew we needed him, he was here. And not only was he here, he was here not in the form of a volcano, lightning bolt, or uh, angry prophet. But he was here in the form of a baby. He was here in the form of an embryo. 
he was here in the form of a seed. And he, he could not have condescended more. He could have not have gone further. And not only that, he was born in humility, not born in a castle in Rome or, or some villa in Greece. But he condescended himself to a, a, the home of a simple carpenter, a map dot of a town on the outskirts of the Roman Empire. I mean, what, what more could he have done? And then, mm. and then on top of that, as if there were, were more, he lived in obscurity and anonymity for 30 years. And, and so he is the picture. He is the picture of grace, God entering our world, finding us, seeking us out. And so I, I, I just never get tired of that story, Billy. I love telling it. I love hearing it. Uh, I love looking for new ways to share it. And so uh, I, Christmas is my favorite time of the year, you know, far and above. And again, given what the world is going through right now, don't we need a reminder of a yeah. God who put off by the mess we make of this globe, but who comes looking for us? I think the world is hungry with that one mind. Yeah, and that that hope that we find in this reality that that God, you know, coming in human form and going through all of the struggles and all of the temptations, but never falling to them, right? All the things we all go through, knowing what that feels like to go through the temptation of it and never falling. It's such a it's such an incredible story. And and to your point, I mean, everybody talks about the magic of Christmas, right? The way the season feels. That's why it feels that way, because this very real thing happened that impacts all of our lives and, and throughout humanity, all of humanity's lives. And so when you look at this film in particular and this theatrical experience that helps bring that to life, what are you hoping the audience leaves with? Well, number one, I hope they leave with a a sense of God's sovereignty, a sense that uh, if God can do what he did then, then he can manage what we're seeing now. I, I hope that people leave the theaters with a healthy escape. You know, we, we all talk about, well, I just need an escape. I need to get away from it all. And that's great. You know, go watch a good, you know, adventure movie. Nothing wrong with that. But there's a healthy escape in which we escape into the presence of God. We turn away from the anxiety, the news, the conflict, the division that's in the world, and we escape into God's room, and we listen to him. Uh, we, we worship him, and we, we ponder him, and we leave better. We leave better. You know, the other escapes, we leave maybe a bit, um, I don't know, refreshed, but then we re-enter the world and just nothing has changed. Mm. When we when we ponder the presence and the goodness of God, we re-enter the world, but we've been changed. We've been changed. We we equip ourselves with uh information and truth that enables us to face these challenges. And so I, I pray that people this Christmas avail themselves of every single opportunity, and this movie included. But every worship service, every devotional book, every Christmas song, every time we sing away in the major, I think we just need to allow ourselves to be immersed this year in the message and the meaning and the beauty, the beauty of Christmas. 
I'm really yeah. excited about this particular project because I think the timing is is great. But I encourage people, not just this project, not just this movie, but anytime you have a chance, allow yourself to enter into the spirit of Christmas work. All right, Billy, thanks for that. Great message there from Max. I, I like that about not escaping reality and going away from God, but to escape towards God. You got to lean into that. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think it's it's important to listen to to people who have been there and been through things. And he's he's one who's been obviously a fixture, I think, in Christian culture, but also somebody who's experienced life. You know, yeah. he's been through ups and downs in life and he he's still clinging to Jesus in the midst of difficult things. I think it's a good lesson yeah, for all of us. Definitely great stuff there. All right. That's going to leave us with time for one last thing on the pod today. We're going to take a look at uh, Daniel's prayer in chapter nine in Daniel nine. And Daniel has just sort of come off confessing uh, Israel's sin and, and just the sin of the Jewish people and um, how they've gone away from God and um, all the mistakes that they've made. He's sort of confessed that and put that out there. And then he turns and he prays to God and he asks for God to act. And uh, I love the way he puts it at the end of this. It's a longer prayer, but this is just the end in 19, 919. He says, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. And you just see that so much throughout Scripture, Trey, where um, when God is acting, it's not just for our sake, but it's primarily for his name's sake to let the people know who he is. And so I just think Daniel's prayer here is so great. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's got kind of, for lack of a better term, a trickle-down effect, right? Yeah. Now, when God is being glorified, yeah. it's also for our good exactly. as well. Yeah, 100%. Well said. All right, that's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the Quick Start Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't done that yet. We love having you here each and every day. And as always, you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you. Many of you do write in, and we appreciate that, and we like hearing from you. I try to reply to as many of them uh, as I can personally. So I uh, look forward to hearing from you. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. We'll see you then.